0: Yesterday, Joe said he was going to evaluate things after day one, decide, based on how things went on day one, whether he was going to show up for day two. It is day two, officially, of Joe and Amber. And Joe Fortenbaugh is here in the flesh. I am Amber Wilson. Thanks for uh, showing up there, co-host. Appreciate you.
1: Very excited to be here today. Very excited. Having even higher expectations for episode two. I think episode three is where we'll hit our stride. Episode four, (laughs) we'll close out the week. Retirement. That's how you do a radio show.
0: Retire after episode five will be good to go uh, by next Monday. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Be a part of Joe and Amber Nation. On the Dr. Pepper call-in line, call us at 888 State espn That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. The one that fans deserve. Speaking of college football, we will be getting into where one college football coach maybe ending up maybe moving up a surprising name really? I think to enter that conversation we will be getting into that a little bit later but first of course let's start by updating you on Demar Hamlin's condition we did get news from the Buffalo Bills that he remains hospitalized in critical condition but that he showed quote-unquote signs of improvement that were observed yesterday and overnight into today the Bills released a statement saying quote Hamlin is expected to remain under intensive care as his health care team continues to monitor and treat him. Jordan Rooney, who is a friend and business partner of Hamlin's, told ESPN's Coley Harvey earlier today that Hamlin is showing some promising readings. The overnight readings from Hamlin were what his doctors wanted to see. So we will continue to keep you updated, of course, on Damar Hamlin's condition. Any new information that we get, we will update you immediately. The Bills, Joe, They began their practice week today with a walkthrough and with team meetings. So to some semblance, it's kind of back to business as usual, as much can possibly be expected under the circumstances. We wondered how this was going to be handled this week from the Buffalo Bills. How do you go back? What do you go back to? Do you practice? Do you go back to meetings? Well, they were back at the facility today. They were in meetings. They were back to seemingly anyways, trying to focus on some X's and O's and some football here.
1: You know, the game plan every week, the X's and O's as you speak of, you're watching film, you're trying to pick up tendencies, you're going through practice repetitions, you're putting the pads on, you're hitting, you're doing all that stuff week to week to week to week. This week's going to be very, very different. I think as much time, if not more, will probably be spent on the mental and emotional health of the players. If you're going to send them out there, they got to be ready to go, right? This is not Frisbee golf, something I enjoy playing for as some will call it. We'll get into that argument somewhere down the road. But the reality is these guys got to be ready to go. Their minds have to be in the right place. And if you're Buffalo right now, you know, the New England Patriots. You saw them earlier this season. You see them two times every year. Focal points got to be on your players. Focal points got to be on your team community and making sure everyone's ready to go. Not just from a let's win this game and secure seating standpoint. That's so secondary. Just from a if we're going to be going out there, let's make sure we're all in a position where we're not just physically ready to play, but we're mentally and emotionally ready to play to take on the task at hand because we don't want anyone else getting hurt because their mind's drifting somewhere else.
0: There's too much to unpack with frisbee golf, so I'm going to keep it moving past that That's portion smart. of your life. Then the New England Patriots are at the Buffalo Bills on Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. That game, as Joe just mentioned, certainly does have seeding implications. Uh, right now, it would determine whether the Bills or the Bengals end up the two or three seed. That's assuming that Week 17 game between those two teams is not made up. And if in that case, then the Chiefs would will most likely here end up the number one seed. We don't know what's going to happen with that week 17 game as we enter here week 18 and the focus shifts to week 18 there was still of course a week 17 matchup between the Bills and the Bengals that was supposed to be for the top of the AFC E. Stephen A. Smith first take host was on first take today he gave his thoughts on what he thinks the NFL should do
2: I think you go through the rest of the regular season it is possible that you'll push the playoffs back and eliminate that bye week for the Super Bowl what team do you know the other twenty, the other thirty teams in the league, who's going to complain about having an additional week off? Because you got to remember that week, that one week, that's the game. In other words, you make up for the Buffalo-Cincinnati yeah, game next weekend. No, no, you can say next weekend, or you can sit up there play the rest of the regular season out. Right. And then, instead of the playoffs starting that following week, what you game. do instead, you play the game. Right. So in other words, that would be the only game that week and the rest of the playoff and the playoffs begin the following week.
0: The only teams I think that that hurts who would complain, I guess to Stephen A's point, would be the Bills or the Bengals. Now, I'm not sure that either of those teams would complain because certainly they understand the circumstances, but it would help out all the other teams that are heading into a postseason, right? Because it's giving them that bye week as they're watching the Bills and the Bengals play a lone game, I think, under what Stephen A. Smith is, is suggesting.
1: So if we're moving past, obviously, the Hamlin injury situation and we're going to dive into the scheduling with all due respect to all parties involved, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I'm not I'm not going for that. I'm not going for that in any way, shape, or form. So what's going to happen is they're currently in a position that if they had played Cincinnati and won, even if they still play him and win and they win this weekend, they secure the one seed. Well, what's the point of the one seed if you're going to be playing next weekend against Cincinnati to secure that one seed when everyone else is resting. And then the following week, the playoffs get started and you have that week off, but everyone's already kind of gotten the same advantage. Like to add an the entire purpose of the one seed is that there is a huge, statistical advantage to having those two extra weeks to get healthy to get ready well if everyone's getting a week off this week meaning next weekend and they're going to be playing cincinnati it kind of resets that it doesn't give you as much of an advantage i'd rather just find a way into the postseason without having to go through the extra hoopla of the following week now i know if you're another team you might be upset about that situation or the way it's playing out but it just feels like you should just go with the strength of schedule situation
0: Well, and then, of course, that also a disadvantage to the Buffalo Bills because then they don't even end up in a conversation for the one seed. That would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Could we even be in a scenario where they made it up the way Stephen A. Smith is suggesting that the Kansas City Chiefs then get two weeks off if they end up with the one seed after that Bills-Bengals game? So that would be a strange consequence. There is no easy answer here how the NFL is going to handle this. We certainly will bring you any updates that we have on the reschedulement of that game secondary of course to the health of hamlin which is first and foremost everyone's concern in this situation joe and amber is presented by progressive insurance coming up next could kirby smart forego leading the next college football dynasty in favor of the nfl we'll talk about it at least one person thinks so this is joe and amber espn radio and listen to us on the espn app Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Day two of Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. We are presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Kirby Smart, he's focused on TCU. But is he actually focused on something else? We're going to get into that in just moments. But first.
2: Pizza money alert.
0: Pizza, pizza.
1: All right, so here we go. Pizza money being located here in Las Vegas. I've been known to, shall we say, dabble with the gambling on occasion, if dabble is defined as gambling every single day of the year. Uh, But more on that sometime down the road. We with pizza money want to throw some bets your way on a regular basis that we don't necessarily love them. They're not the best bet. You're not going to mortgage the future on them, but you're going to throw some pizza money at them so you can have fun over the weekend. So this one starts in just under an hour. The Portland Trail Blazers are in Minnesota to take on the Timberwolves. We are laying the one and a half with Portland. The Wolves are still trying to figure things out in the Rudy Gobert era. They've lost 9 of 13. There are only three teams in the NBA that have covered fewer spreads than them this season. They brought in Rudy Gobert to improve their defense, but it's been anything but. They went from 13th in defensive efficiency last year to 14th this season the team's identity has always been offense it has completely fallen off since gobert showed up maybe they figured out down the road but portland's housed him twice this season and i see it happening again tonight we are laying in the first ever joe and amber pizza money segment one and a half with the trailblazers over the timberwolves in less than an hour
0: So that's how we do it. We're going to be doing that for you every day that we can. Of course, Joe Fortenbaugh on the Daily Wager, one of our betting analysts here at ESPN. So we're going to give you all the nuggets here on Joe and Amber and always help you try to make a little bit of that pizza money. Everybody likes pizza. Everybody likes money. If you don't like pizza, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You need to (laughs) reevaluate it. Everyone likes pizza. Everyone likes money. Kirby Smart, he might really like money. Maybe that's what this is about. When Paul Feinbaum, host of course of the Paul Feinbaum Show, was on Keyshawn Jay Will and Max, and said that he thinks Kirby's future might involve leaving Georgia. Here's Feinbaum.
2: I think there's some NFL in the near future. At some point, you, you know, it, he, he's got to look at it. Uh, you know, everybody at this level is making the 11 or 12 million dollars. That's no longer the motivating factor. He wanted to prove that. He was something more than Nick Saban's top assistant. He he will do that uh, with a, with another. He's already done that, but he'll do it again. And, and as as much of a grinder as he is, and and you know he he is one of those guys that, that that never looks up. I could see somebody in the NFL, the right situation, coming to him.
0: I was shocked by this, Joe, when I first heard this because it's not that Paul Feinbaum's saying the NFL might be in Kirby Smart's future. That would be one thing. Fine, I mean. The NFL's probably in every college coaches' future at some point, maybe at least in terms of a discussion or a passing thought if they've had any semblance of success on that level, right? And they think that they would have job offerings from the level above. But it's the way that Feinbaum says, in the near future, in the near future, we're talking about a Kirby Smart who's in a position to win a second straight national title. It has been years and years and years and years since we've seen that goal accomplished in college football. We're talking about a Kirby Smart who was on his way then if he was to win this game against T to a possible dynasty. So now you've completely superseded Nick Saban because now you are the next dynasty in the SEC and in college football. Kirby Smart is in a heck of a position right now. I'm surprised that we're having this conversation today about near future.
1: I think it caught us off guard, but when you really look deep into it, I'm not sure if it's that surprising. I was as surprised as you when we talked about it earlier today, but then the more I thought about it, you kind of kick it around and you think to yourself, all right, number one, if you win this weekend, even if you don't, but if you win this weekend and you've stacked two national championships and you're a competitive guy, what else is there? Like eight national championships? You want to be the greatest of all time? Okay, (laughs) there's nothing wrong with that, but for some people it's about a different challenge, and I could see the NFL being a challenge to say, look, I proved it at the college level. I want to go prove it at the pro level like Pete Carroll did because history is littered with Steve Spurriers, Bobby Petrino's, Chip Kelly's guys that have performed very well in college and then gone to the pro ranks and gotten chewed up and spit out. It is a tough racket. Reason number two I could see it happening, I think NIL is changing a lot of how these guys think. The Recruiting in, in its own right was already taking up a ton of your life, Amber. But now you're not just recruiting kids coming out of high school. You've got to check the transfer portal and be trying to steal kids away from other colleges while defending against attacks against other colleges that are coming for your guys. I think you look at the NFL and you say to yourself, you know what? it's not exactly a nine to five, but compared to college football, it does give you a lot more structure and probably some more free time than what you're dealing with in the collegiate ranks.
0: It's a lot more X's and O's in the NFL and a lot less recruiting. Now that's good for some and bad for others. You mentioned some of the failures from college coaches that go to the NFL. It doesn't always work because it's two different skill sets, in my opinion. Of course, there are the Pete Carroll's of the world and the coaches that have been successful on every level and can seemingly do it all. But just because you're a great recruiter, which gives you the success with these five-star recruits in college certainly doesn't mean that it's going to pan out for you in the NFL. That being said, what I'm surprised about is that we're having this conversation. He's got 24 years on Nick Saban to catch Nick Saban, right? Kirby Smart is only 47 years old. He would have a lot of time here to make this jump to the NFL. I'm surprised that we're already talking about it when we're coming off of a national championship for Georgia during the Kirby era. Sure, maybe they're about to get a second one, but I mean, this sound is coming to us before he's even gotten an opportunity to win that second one. He has accomplished a lot at the collegiate level. I do think stacking more championships accomplishes maybe more, particularly when you were Saban's assistant. And so it feels like you're always going to be chasing that guy until you actually do chase that guy. But also to your point about recruiting, I can only imagine how hard it is on the college level. And like you said, in the face of NIL, but I think even the bigger caveat there is the transfer portal because that's really changed things and how these coaches have to, recruit not just guys coming in but now have to constantly recruit like you said their own players every single season that conversation shifts though when you're the national champion and when you're on top of the sport and when you're the national championship or the national champion over and over and then maybe, you know, over again, right? The recruiting kind of takes care of itself at some point. I feel like Nick Saban's probably not the best recruiter, frankly, anymore, or even the hardest working recruiter in college football. That's not a knock to Saban. It's just that Bama at this point recruits itself. It has recruited itself for many, many years. That recruiting staff at Alabama probably, frankly, just doesn't have to work as hard as the other, schools and i feel like that is the trajectory of things right now for kirby smart at georgia
1: see slight disagreement on that because you were able to sell at alabama the chance to a win national championships on a regular basis and b play in prime time tv spots being seen heard recognized by nfl talent evaluators every single week now You're going to try to convince a 17-year-old that that's cool where Texas or Texas A&M or Florida State might come in and say, yeah, you could go there and do that. Or you can come to us and we'll give you $2 million. And if you're a 17-year-old kid, you have the opportunity now to get paid without having to go through the rigmarole of college football and then finding out how to make your way into the pros. Now, I get that they were being paid a certain way. Pre NIL, but not to this extent. You're seeing seven figure deals. I'm not going to say become the norm, but they're 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 escalating from last year to this year. The way some of these dudes are getting paid. I don't know if being able to contend for national championships is enough now when you consider what's out there for some of these other teams who can put massive cadres of cash together.
0: Well, and don't forget that money's not coming from the schools. That money right. is coming from largely booster collectives. Now, it feels like to me a totally unsustainable model because it's not coming from the machine that's actually making the money. It's just coming from Joe Schmoe, who has a ton of money and loves his alma mater. And so how long is Joe Schmoe going to want to put up the money for all of these kids? I don't know. I mean, maybe that's endless and goes on forever. If I had billions of dollars, I'm sure I would be doing it for the University of Florida as well. Believe me, I don't know at some point if I would get tired of dishing out that money if I functioned on that level of wealth that we're talking about, that a lot of these booster collectives are made up of. But it's not just billionaires that contribute to these collectives by any means. It's not even just millionaires that contribute to these collectives. It's a lot of people that just love their programs and are putting money into these collectives that end up paying these students. But the thing is, Joe, that's how you pay the student initially. The student's only going to continue to get NIL deals, even if you're right. Even if it's, hey, you come here and you're getting this seven-figure deal out of the gate but you could make a whole lot more money if you remain on that stage if you remain in prime time and if you remain winning national championships right I mean the five-star recruit out of high school is going to get paid he'd get paid a lot more though if he's on a winning team let's be real
1: yeah if you've got the money and the winning then you're the ultimate force the one thing I don't get about NIL is why isn't Stanford 14 and 0 every year Stanford just produces tech geniuses and billionaires left and right like the nerds should decide that they want to take over college football and when the nerds decide they want to take over college football look out Stanford's going to be your next powerhouse Kirby Smart Nick Saban you're going to be irrelevant
0: well it's about it's about commitment there right and some of it's about standards as well but it's about commitment there from your alma mater and from your booster collective I mean there's a reason Texas A&M is winning every recruiting battle right Uh, that oil money those packets are deep Joe Fortenbaugh but it hasn't been playing out on the field apparently it takes more than just five five-star recruit coming up next here. Do we really believe that the jets are still invested in Zach Wilson? We're going to have another Zach Wilson conversation. Yes, we are jets nation buckle up. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN radio. Carson Wentz era in Washington, D.C. appears to be over. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh here with us. You can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. So the Washington Commanders, Joe, have reversed course. They are now going to start rookie quarterback Sam Howell in Sunday's regular season finale versus the Dallas Cowboys. That is according to head coach Ron Rivera. We got this information today. Carson Wentz is going to be inactive. Feels like his career is over in Washington. Taylor Heineke appears that he will be the backup against the Dallas Cowboys. This situation in Washington has gone from bad to worse. It is a must. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a mess, but when is it not with the Washington Commanders? Like, if they were highly functional and made the playoffs, that's the surprise. Rivera not knowing they could have been eliminated last week, having yet another quarterback problem, this is just par for the course when it comes to that franchise. But this is the right move. See what you have in how. You drafted him for a reason, right? Get him out there. This game is completely meaningless for you, so it's time to evaluate what you have on the roster, and it's probably time to rest and protect the guys you really like so you don't risk any sort of injury. Um, Taylor Heineke is not going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. He's not going to be a guy you build a team around nice guy, hard worker, career backup type, like chase Daniel, who can probably go out and make $50 million filling in over the next 16 years in spot starts. But with Heineke, we've seen it. He's gotten plenty of opportunity. He has plenty of weapons around him. He's just not good enough. That's the case. Of, that's the state of the, the affairs there. With Wentz, you want to move on from him as quickly as possible, like the Colts did, like you're going to do, like Philadelphia eventually did. So why not see what you have in Sam Howell? Because one way or another, this offseason, you have to have some serious conversations in our nation's capital about who's going to be the starting quarterback of that football team moving forward.
0: I don't have a problem with it. They were eliminated from contention last week. But at the same time, I don't think that you're going to be able to evaluate anything about Sam Howell off of one game. I mean, it's a very Pretty good tough. Dallas defense. If he goes out there even if he lights it up like we'll all be impressed but I mean it's one game what are you what are you really going to evaluate and giving him this start at this point in the season. It's fine, though. Whatever. The Carson Wentz era, obviously, you're right. They need to move on from that. Heineke, one of the most underrated jobs, I think, in the National Football League is being a career backup. It's actually a pretty good gig. You're always wanted, right? You get paid pretty decently. You don't get hurt nearly as much. And the crowd is normally vying for you because you're sitting behind the other guy. You don't have to show your true colors that often. We saw some of Heineke's true colors, though, for the Commanders this season. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Pretty for whence this season either. Frankly, it frankly hasn't been pretty at that position for Rivera. Howell is going to be the eighth different starter in coach Ron Rivera's three seasons at that position. He is the oh 33rd God. quarterback to start for Washington since they won their last Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> what, what, how many? It's amazing. 33? 33rd.
0: 33rd. Yes. Now, given... Their Super Bowl, their last Super Bowl, was after that 1991 season. It was in 92. Shout out Mark Rippon. But 33 different quarterbacks since that time. Uh, It is a long fall from the top, and it has been that at that position for the Washington Commanders.
1: Cleveland's probably sitting somewhere saying, hold my beer. I think they've probably had even more since they came back into existence as it's been an every year sort of thing. So what's what happens with Wentz next? Like if you're Carson Wentz, Washington probably wants nothing to do with you. Rivera, that's probably the worst mistake he's ever made in his coaching career, thinking to himself, you know what? Heineke's not getting it done. Let's give this guy one last chance. He was the number two overall pick. He did help contribute to a team winning a Super Bowl. Maybe he can win this this monumental matchup against this awful Cleveland team and this Quarterback and Deshaun Watson, who looks nothing like what we remember from a few years ago, and then Wentz completely falls on his face. Does he wash out? Is he done?
0: Well, I don't think so. I'm going to get to that for a moment, though, because I want to remind people, you just said this monumental matchup. It seems like the coach wasn't aware that it was a monumental matchup or that they were eliminated or that they could be based on the happenings around them in the NFL the same day. Here's the commander's head coach, Ron Rivera. The sound was from January 1st.
1: To clarify, you said you would talk about quarterback next week. If you guys are eliminated today by what happens at 4 o'clock, is Sam Howell in consideration?
2: We can be eliminated.
1: Yeah, if the Packers beat the Vikings, then you guys are eliminated. I mean, you People want to make the joke about that, and in the moment, I know he got roasted on social media for that. I think what really happened there, to give Rivera credit, is that he was so focused on just winning his own game, knowing that he controlled his own destiny, there was no reason to worry about all the the other permutations. It's not as if they were going up against one of the best teams in the NFL. They were playing Cleveland. So their thought process has to be, let's win this game, then let's win the next one, and we'll get into the playoffs. So he ends up getting caught a bit off guard by the question because he probably hadn't thought it through. But you know regardless you got to be smart enough to not say that even if you don't know just take a breath and then lie
0: I was very honest of him in that moment I, I thought at first it was a bad look and then when I did first take a few days ago and Christine Williamson was hosting and she was going through like all the scenarios every segment when we were talking about all these NFL teams and how they get into the postseason or don't get into the postseason and my head was spitting you know or when you pull up the, oh, yeah. the playoff machine and you're putting in all these scenarios and it's impossible to keep straight and I thought you know I guess it's reasonable that maybe Rivera didn't realize that what happened in the 4 p.m. games that day could eliminate them con- from contention, but also because they were no longer in control of their own destiny because of the way that things had gone in Washington, D.C. You asked before I set up that sound, what do I think is the future of Carson Wentz? Well, I don't think it's over for Wentz. I think that people are going to jump to that conclusion. It ain't over, first of all. Think about some of the guys that we see play backup in the NFL. I mean, there's a job for everybody, right? Uh, it feels like at that position at some point. I do think it's over for him in terms of being a starter in the NFL, at least for now. I mean, who knows what we see in many years from now. But I do think that he's going to end up getting more opportunities as a backup. I feel like that's how this league works.
1: He's one step away from the end of his career. There's a Joe Fortenball four-stage hierarchy for quarterbacks like Carson Wentz. I'm going to take you through it. He's, he's going to step three, stage three of his career, and he will have one more stage after that, which is essentially the washout stage. Stage number one, you're a franchise quarterback. You're drafted number two overall. A team like Philadelphia gives up a ton of picks to go up and draft you. That's stage number one, so you have a chance to be a franchise guy. It doesn't work out. It's shown that you are not going to be a franchise guy. That's okay. You move to stage two, which is second chance guy. We've seen that with Ryan Tannehill. Remember when he left Mm -hmm. Miami, everyone hated him down there. He stunk, and then he caught fire for a little bit in Tennessee and got a bunch of money from them. Second chance guy – can catch fire or eventually, Hill, by
0: he, the way, got that second chance as a backup originally, remember? And then he did. became the starter. because eventually.
1: Yeah, but second chance guy has a chance to extend the career. He can show you that it was the organization's fault, not him. Well, the problem for Wentz in Indianapolis, he showed it wasn't the organization's fault with Philadelphia. It was him, which means he went to Washington where he stepped into stage three of his career, capable, semi-competent starter, Andy Dalton. Right, like Andy Dalton's not going anywhere because if you just don't have anybody else, you go to Andy Dalton. If you just don't have anybody else, you can go to Carson Wentz. He is set to move into the stage called body bag because the next team that picks him up is just going to throw him out there to get beat up. That's what's going to happen, beat up. And then finally, it's not really a stage at this point because you've washed out and you're done. So the four stages, franchise quarterback, second chance quarterback— capable quarterback. Wentz is going from capable to stage four, which is body bag. He's just going to get thrown out there to get beat up on a regular basis. uh, Kind of like you saw probably with Marcus Mariota in the Atlanta Falcons.
0: I don't know. I I definitely think we'll see Wentz again. I think his story...
1: He's going to be so a body bag
0: now. Some of it's, unri- listen, the Dolphins just signed Mike Lennon today, okay? There, it, there's always a chance. Uh, body bag. He's, he's
1: at stage four. He's back. a body
0: bag player. You may be right about that. Tony is in Ohio, and you can always give us a call here on Joe and Amber. 888-SAY-ESPN, espn eight 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 seven two nine is where we find Tony in Ohio. Tony, what do you have for us on the Commanders?
2: I just wanted to know, what do you think the probability of Ron Rivera being fired at the end of the season, considering he's the one who wanted Wentz so bad. And he made that gaffe on, you know, you just came to his defense for that, but he made that gaffe on Airdo today.
0: Yeah, I don't think that the gaffe is why he's going to end up being fired. I do think, though, that when it comes to the Carson Wentz decision, the way things have gone, it's just such a difficult organization right now to say the least I'm like how do I tap dance around this thing I mean it's such a dumpster you fire
1: don't there. lower <laughs> your head and just it's go such right a to dumpster it. fire
0: there right uh I don't I I'm you know Ron Rivera has been a respected coach I I don't I'm not one who thought that he was going to get the boot after this season I do think the way that things have gotten pretty ugly here at the end of the season makes me question that a little bit I mean he's on the fence I could see that going either way Joe
1: I think he's good because of the ownership change that's coming That's the reality of the situation. Like, if you're Snyder and you're that ownership group, don't go out there giving out some big contract, five, six years, fully guaranteed to some new head coach, and then sell the team and stick the old ownership, stick the new ownership group with it. Maybe that's something Snyder would find hilarious on his way out the door. Who knows? But the reality is, You got other things to worry about. Figure out how to sell the team. Rivera's good enough to be kept around for another year to develop some of these guys. And then from there, the new ownership group can come in and turn it over. Like, look at Denver. They didn't think they were going to have that Hackett problem on their hands. But if you're the new ownership group led by the Walton family that came in there and you have the Russell Wilson contract and you got Nathaniel Hackett, it's peanuts to them. But the last thing you want to do is have to just eat all that cost right out of the gate.
0: And I don't know how attractive that job is, frankly, to head coaching candidates right now because of that ownership group change. You'd feel a lot better about it, about considering that position once the ownership group change. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up next here on Joe and Amber... If we've seen Derek Carr play his final game as a Raider, what does Las Vegas do next at that quarterback position? We'll get into it. This is ESPN Radio, and you can listen to us on the ESPN app.
2: We can be eliminated.
0: We got some good news today from the Buffalo Bills, an update on DeMar Hamlin. A statement from the Bills said that, quote, unquote, there have been signs of improvement overnight And into this morning, Jordan Rooney, who's a friend and business partner of Hamlin's, told ESPN's Coley Harvey today that doctors saw promising readings overnight from DeMar Hamlin, the ones that they had hoped to see overnight, the ones that they had hoped to see this morning. So I guess he is improving and progressing the way that the medical staff at UC is hoping that he'd be progressing. That's very good news. Of course, we are still waiting on the word from the NFL, what they're going to do, if anything, about that Bills-Bengals game from Week 17, whether it will be rescheduled as we head towards Week 18. The Bills have the New England Patriots on Sunday at 1 p.m. in Week 18 They did begin their practice week today. They got back to some semblance of business as usual. They did a walkthrough today, and they had team meetings. So let's start there with our friend Keyshawn Johnson, host, of course, of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. And, Key, thanks so much for giving us a few minutes here. The Bills are tasked this week, presumably, anyways, with a game against the New England Patriots. if Week 18 is going to go according to plan. You have been, as a player, on the field for some very ugly injuries. I know that this is a bit different But you've been there. You've witnessed some horrific things in your day as well. As a player, how do you compartmentalize that mentally and just proceed with playing football after witnessing something scary happen to a teammate or the opposition?
2: You know, Amber and and Joe, I've actually been in a very similar situation. Not myself, but as a teammate in high school passed away uh, in a high school football game. Uh, because of heart complications and cardiac arrest. And then in 1997, I was playing for the New York Jets and we were playing the Detroit Lions in Detroit. And Reggie Brown, linebacker from Texas A&M, second year player, uh, stopped breathing. CPR was administered to on him. And the game obviously was delayed. We presumed the game, you know, probably 15, 20 minutes after the fact. And we had to get our minds right. Um, uh, because out on the field, we saw them, you know, CPR and, and the whole deal and ambulance and you name it, and crying and, and all sorts of stuff. So you can only imagine what was going through our minds. Several plays later, uh, we still had the ball, and I think it was about three plays later, we ran the ball twice, then we threw the ball to me. And you talk about a guy who wasn't – I mean, my mind was like somewhere totally different. At that point in time, the ball bounces off of my shoulders. I mean, I didn't even put my hands up. I just kind of – I don't know what I did. And, uh, you know, it, it just played in your mind over and over again what you just saw laying on the field in that Detroit game. So I've been close to the situation, and it's its a very scary thing, and you got to try to get your mind back right, but
1: it's very difficult to do. Key, if you're the Buffalo Bills right now – and you're the league, and you're trying to figure this out in terms of how to move forward, what's fair? Like, obviously the league would love to play the last two games. The Bills probably would like some more time off to grieve, to figure out the situation. What's a fair compromise for both sides?
2: Um, I, I mean, I, I don't really know, to be honest with you, Joe, what could t- transpire and take place other than moving the season back, I guess, uh, and taking that. Pro Bowl, so-called Pro Bowl, out of the equation and given that week of time for play. So I guess you would maybe give everybody an extra bye week or something. I mean, I guess that's how you would do it.
0: There is no easy answer, frankly, on how to figure this thing out for the NFL as we await word from them on what they're going to do about making up that Bills-Bengals game, if they, in fact, are going to make it up. Keyshawn Johnson, host of Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max joining us here on Joe and Amber. All right, Key, you're a bit of a Dolphins hater this season, but hey, they signed Mike Lennon today. My Dolphins, they're going into a must-win with the New York Jets. Mike Lennon, is he going to be the key here, or can Skylar Thompson get it done?
2: So you just told me they signed Mike Glennon (laughs) and you, you you told me, can they get it done with Mike Glennon today? And you called me a hater. I wasn't hating. I was just telling the truth. I saw, and I guess the truth hurts. Look, if Tua was healthy, then it might be a different conversation because they were playing well up until they ran into the chargers and uh, San Francisco, and then obviously, uh, you know, what happened in New England and all those sort of things. But, you know, they ran up against some tough opponents and the thing changed a little bit. I don't want to hear any excuses, and I'm not a Dolphin hater, Amber, and I don't want to hear any excuses about Tua wasn't healthy. Well, they, I tried to tell Jay this morning, I said they were losing with Tua. So he was fine when they were winning. Now all of a sudden we're giving them all sorts of bit thin excuses. I, I don't know that Mike Glennon will be the answer to them. Uh, for them, and they were ahead of schedule anyway. I mean, they weren't supposed to be in the position they were in in the middle of the year.
1: Switching gears to the Las Vegas Raiders, it looks like the Derek Carr era has come to an end. So what do you think the next step is? Are they going to spend... They currently are in position of a top-10 draft pick. Do you think they spend in the draft, or do you think they're looking the free agency?
2: In the draft, I don't know that... I mean, these quarterbacks are okay, I guess, but what, you're gonna go you're not gonna get Bryce young I don't think you you like Levin. Do you think he's the answer? I mean I don't know that to be the case. Uh, CJ Stroud is he the answer or do you look to go back to court maybe take less money or do you try and figure out a relationship in a short period of time with Tom Brady because you think you can win now sort of thing and you have a relationship with him like I, I don't know which way they turn. I don't like what they did to Carr, but that's just me. Uh, I think when you got a new head coach trying to do things and that quarterback isn't his quarterback, that quarterback really never is going to get the benefit of the doubt unless he's a made man. And I don't ever think Carr was a made man in Las Vegas at all. So, you know, new coaches came in with John Gruden, not in love with him, and then Josh McDowell and kind of gave him a fake extension. And that showed you right then and there. He wasn't their guy.
0: Hosts of Keyshawn J. Will and Max and well-documented Dolphins hater, Keyshawn Johnson. Key, thanks so <laughs> oh, much for stopping by. Stop. <laughs> thanks, Key. appreciate you.
2: Not my, uh, my fault. They four weeks ago.
0: <laughs> oh, get out of here, Key. I uh, appreciate you, Key. Uh, so I... Joe, real quick, on the Derek Carr thing, Devontae Adams said today that he wouldn't be here if it weren't for Derek Carr, which he had said several times before, but he did say that he expects that he's going to remain a Raider.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, he's got a lucrative contract. If he wants to try to force a trade, he could try to force something like that. Who knows what's going to happen with the Raiders? You can't, I mean, tearing it down to try to start a rebuild at least kind of buys you some time if you're the front office and coaching staff, because year one was a mess. It was an absolute mess. I mean, what was it? Five double-digit leads that were blown in the second half... It's never happened in NFL history.
0: It was ugly right now. Derek Carr is going to take the fall. It won't be uh, Derek Carr next season. If it happens again, at some point here, it will be Josh McDaniels. The direct quote from Devontae Adams. I wouldn't have ended up here originally if Derek wasn't here, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I won't be here in the event that he's not here. So that sounds like clarification, maybe that Devontae Adams is not going to try to force his way out. Coming up next, are the Jets still invested in Zach Wilson? We're going to get into it. This is Joe and Amber.